there's an infinite number of human problems that need to be solved. The problems that I'm a little more focused on solving is taking a market that already exists and coming up with a strategy to deliver that product in a better way. Welcome to the High Voltage Business Builders, a show where we interview entrepreneurs growing and scaling their income through e-commerce and showing you the path to make your first or next million. So, Bri, we were jamming the other day, and you were obviously sending me some texts and keeping me updated on what's going on in your world. Um, and I just thought it was fascinating, some of the things you have learned and some, you know, revelations and things that we've discussed. And I had you on the original podcast here just a little while ago, and it's about to actually come out this week or next. Uh, and then this one will obviously follow up as a, as a second episode. So since the time we had that original chat and this one, what's been going on in your neck of the woods with Amazon selling? Give us some updates in, into where you are. Yeah. Wow. There's no dull moments. That's for sure. We had, well, I'm out of stock completely in my top selling product. That fast already. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm out. And I have been told by my supplier that, cause I ship DDP because it's medical goods and they have the FDA license. So the, uh, supposedly they're in the United States, but they're not at my 3PL warehouse yet. So hoping any day now I'll have that and I can ship some new product up and get that selling again. So hopefully in a few days, I'll be back in stock. That's my top seller. All right. And, and uh, what does the top seller look like? I don't, we don't give out products here, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's average profits about 20 to $25 a unit after PPC costs. It's so it's a good one. Yeah. And there's a lot of demand for it. You know, just it's medical survival niche. I mean, it's. Uh, it's a big niche. It's always needed. It, it, a lot of military and police units buy my products as well. Fantastic. And so where did we get this idea from? Remind me, refresh my memory for anybody. Yeah. So, well, it all started from the idea that you had on our coaching call when you were going through Six Leaf and showing us how to do product research and came across the, there was one product that was used by military and police force. And, uh, I raised my hand and said, I'll take it. <laughs> and you offered it up to the group. Yeah. And then from there, it's just evolved. Like, like that product they had in parentheses does not include. And you were like, Hey, you could include that. None of the other products included. So I did that and it took off and it wasn't like, you know, get rich money, but it was like steady, profitable money. And I, that product has been out of stock for a while. I've had some challenges we could talk about later with that, but not with product, just with my supply chain, yeah. but as I got into that niche, I kept doing more research in there to try to expand the SKUs for that brand. And I came across this other product that is kind of like hit a lot of different things put together. And, um, I don't know, I had kind of a, I guess it was knowledge that I got from learning from y'all combined with maybe like a qualitative view of it all. Like it just looked like there was a lot of demand for it. There was a lot of key, the keyword volume was really high. There was really only a few sellers that had that product in every one of them were really low BSR rankings. So I just had a good feeling about it. So I ordered a thousand units of them and, uh, I sold like half of them in the first week or two. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to scale back. The only reason I took this long to go out of stock is because I significantly scaled back my 
raised my price way up and significantly scaled back my PPC budget. Yeah. So balancing that out. Because I didn't want to go out of stock because I, yeah. I know the algorithm doesn't like no, that. No, so. it doesn't. It, it does like to penalize for that. Sometimes on sub-selling products and stuff, it'll give you a little bit longer to, to recoup, but you're still going to have to kind of regain a little of that. It should come back relatively fast, especially with the metrics that you had. Um, that's always a positive return, especially when you have the kind of metrics you've got. Just so people understand, obviously the net profit's important, and I'm glad you pointed that out because most people don't understand the value of that. Uh, like you have come to understand the value of that, obviously. We we get the concept of making more money and profit is good, but we don't always understand what does it take to compete on Amazon uh, in a, in a mark-brand-driven environment. Can you give us some more insights into some of the other learning and metrics and stuff that you've learned? Yeah, well, to your point on that, because y'all had harped on finding stuff that's at bare minimum 10 to $12 in profit. I have some products be- that are less than that, not necessarily intentionally, but those products will, I have some strategies in mind that I can talk about of how I'm going to get those up. But my point with that is that, uh, one thing I've really learned firsthand is that I put the exact same amount of time and effort and energy into worrying about the product that generates $3 in profit as I did when it generates $20 in profit. So in terms of return on your effort, I'll call it that because it's not that much time, but it's mental energy and it's mind space. You know, the higher dollar products are, it's a no brainer. I mean. Yeah. Let's unpack that a little bit further because you know that the, the way that we have structured things, the way I try to get people to understand a little bit of an inverse relationship to, to time and activities and money are what, in what order should you actually consider that? most appropriately. So time is always a big question on the minds of so many people who listen and do and want to try new things or get involved in different you know, revenue streams or are simply busy in the ones they're doing now and are trying to figure out how to, how to diversify. So time is a huge component. Of course, activities, what do I actually do? Revenue generating activities that are most purposeful to affecting my time. And then of course, it's money in, money out, right? Um, which is my cash flow, which is what do I put in? What's my return on effort, you say, return on investment? Um, in your own language, unpack some of that learning experience for me here, if you would, and let's let's double one. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a great topic to hit on because if you only were to look at return on investment, sometimes the low dollar items can look very attractive to you. Like I have a product that generates, you know, maybe it's a 30, 40% return on investment, but it's only in small dollar amounts. But if you then factor in your time, the only time that's really involved for me on this is the launch. I mean, and then once a product is launched, it's just tracking my inventory. I have some KPIs I track. So every week I fill those into a spreadsheet that doesn't take long, but then just monitoring the supplies and inventory and then having to reorder and then trying to, but then expanding product, that's, that's another launch. So Really, the launches are where you spend most of your time, in my experience. Yeah. Because even the PPC, we're outsourcing to an artificial intelligence software. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, it's it's really, uh, you know, I look at it every now and then, and sometimes I have to make some adjustments. I see some keywords that need to be negated because they're racking up spin and not relevant. But really, even the AI will do that if you just let it sit there. Well, I noticed you didn't say product research time, which is a huge factor for a a lot of people and a lot of concerns about, you know, how do I know this product is successful? How do I know where to find? You kind of skipped right past that. You glazed over it. That's true. I do spend a lot of time on that. Okay. So let's, let's go through that. What is a lot of time to you in terms of like product research evaluation? Well, it just depends because sometimes you get lucky and find something good early in your research phase and sometimes later, but I'm always doing product research. I'd say 
every week I probably spend a couple of hours doing it, two to four hours probably. Do you feel it's the most important factor in running your business or are there other things you may put in, ahead of that value? No, I'd say that's the most important by far. And I used to spend 20 to 30 hours a week on okay. it. Frankly, I'm out of money. <laughs> so I, I've got all my available capital that I had in the business is in inventory. So I've got a lot of inventory that's on its way. Over so you're there. into recouping that inventory based on current sales volumes. But again, you're not guessing, which is good. And I appreciate that because that's one of the things we help people get as an understanding. Stop guessing with money, <laughs> right? Start, start driving by metrics and driving by business rules. Uh, and take all your emotions out of it. And uh, while it feels a lift to you right now, I know the rewards are on the other side. I mean, you are selling a lot of units and it's going to come very fast with you with more units. Yeah, I live and die by the green light spreadsheet with all my product research. So, you know, one, as an example, I have one product where I tried to go find, I did go find it cheaper from another supplier. I did not properly do all of my due diligence and research and what happened is the product, it was two pieces of two products that can be sold separately. And I combined them together as a single product to sell. And so they didn't really fit very yeah. well and people were returning it. And I got really poor NCX scores. And so I took all that product back to my house and I separated it out, put new UPC codes on it and set it up and I'm selling it separately now. Okay. So I'm recovering that problem. Well, I mean. And I've gone back to the original supply. Yeah, business and problems without it. <laughs> what else would we do? Business has problems and opportunities, right? I mean, you didn't, you're not, it's not a loss. You can get it selling again, which is good. Yeah, good it, it won't curve. be a loss. In yeah. the end, I'll still make money on it. Well, people would see that was a failure, but I would say you failed out in that process. Yeah. yeah. So let's back up for a second real quick and unpack some things in your history that I don't know if everybody who may have not watched the first podcast might not even know where you are, who you are. and literally why you speak with so much confidence now about what you do uh, since the time that I've known you. So let's go backwards real quick. What, where, what's your origin story, Bri? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, well, I started off in the insurance business okay. and sold my agency a year and a half ago. And I'm still working for the company I sold to, but I wanted to start another venture and always had an interest in e-commerce and came across you guys through another student of yours. And uh, so then came on board and have been coached by y'all since, gosh, I guess I came on around May or June of 2021. Um, so no experience whatsoever, right? In e-commerce, which I think is, is fun. Very, very small amount of experience. I had, uh, I had a sunglasses business that was mostly driven by retail store sales. We did do, we had a web website. <laughs> that was my experience with e-commerce. Yeah. But no sales, clearly. <laughs> or, right, right, right. I had a website, right. but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great piece of real estate. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, at least, could you flip the domain for profit? Because at least you might get something off of that. We Well, we sold out of the, I sold my shares. It's it's actually, the business yeah. is doing pretty well now. It's being run by someone. It, they're still mostly selling through retail stores. Gotcha. Cool. So as somebody who's kind of new, who's come to more of a, an intermediate and, and more advanced stage in your process, what would you say to somebody listening to this who's maybe thinking, okay, is this for me? Is this legit? What do I focus on? You know, is this an opportunity still today? You know, from all the crap I hear on YouTube and internets and social medias, is this a legit opportunity? Absolutely. I mean, if you want to build a real business with a real brand, like a multi-million dollar brand, 
I think the opportunity is as good as ever. I mean, I obviously I wasn't around for the old days of Amazon where people could go launch a garlic press supposedly and sell it. Right. I think that Amazon, from what I can see, seems to be based on now that, you know, because they're more mature as a platform and they want legitimate brands, legitimate sellers with quality products. So I think as long as you're going to launch a high quality product, build a brand, I think there's a tremendous opportunity. If you want to go sell a spatula, I think that you're going to waste your time. But, you know, if you can figure out the product research part, which y'all have a lot of tools and education around that. So if you can figure that part out, yeah, I think the opportunity is tremendous. I mean, I, I saw, I read something, I get these different newsletters from different coaches and gurus and somebody said, Amazon is saturated. And I'm like, that's the dumbest comment I've ever heard. Like, that's like saying Google is saturated. You can't rank for any articles anymore. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, there may be certain notes in Amazon that yeah. are saturated, sure, yeah. but but what are they saturated with? Could you put a better product in there? Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's yeah. I always love to hear that that commentary because if you look at the you know you look at the evolution of certain product lines and you follow along from where they are, the saturation may just be a price point or a type of product evaluation or the features and functions of that product. One example that comes to mind is the crock pot. Like this has been around for a long time, right? And then all of a sudden Instapot comes up on the scene and it's like, well, it's not your grandma's crock pot, you know, and now they're a billion dollar brand. And then all of a sudden behind them, we got air fryers, like air fryers have been, been you know, innovated against crock pots and Instapots. And now we have air fryers and they're all the rage. So what's next? What product do you have in which you can combine some combination of those and innovate a slight differentiation? And we got, you know, air fryer 2.0, maybe it's laser cooking or I don't know what it is. It's like, you know. Some kind of, I'm making this up on the fly. I have no idea. Radiation cooked food, probably not, not a good idea, but no, that's microwaves. Oh, we have those already. Never mind. So I guess we can't go too much farther. But the, the point is, there's a brand evolution for each thing. And out of saturation, you can move into obviously creation and innovation. Did you ever invent anything? Because that's a lot of people wonder do you have to invent something? Do I have to come to the market with something completely brand new? I have, I am probably your least innovative student. Least innovative <laughs> student. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I take, I mean, some people like to, you know, innovation is important. And like you say, it's not a static pie and it is never going to change yeah. like strategy to deliver that product in a better way. Yeah. Maybe it's a better warranty. Like, like I focus on that a lot. I've read some books by people who talk about the value. If you ever think you need to lower your price, think instead, what more value can I give to the consumer? Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be things that cost you more and need your margin. Yeah. So it could be things that you put effort into on the front end. And the most obvious one for me is if I create a product with super high quality material, I'm already reducing my margin if I don't raise my price. So what else can I do? Well, if I'm making the highest quality product in our node, I can give the best warranty and I can still be just as profitable because I know I have the best quality. So it's like I'm launching something into the home and let's call it the home goods node. And I'm going to have this particular product, the best zipper of anyone in the market and the zipper breaking is the most common complaint. So my strategy is I'm going to be priced up there with the highest price competitor, but I'm going to have the best warranty and the best customer service of anyone in the node. And that's my strategy. And that'll, you know, that may take a little longer to pan out, but I think I'll build a more profitable business doing that. No, you, you absolutely will. And you'll provide a great service to the customer. They'll have a great experience with your brand. 
and that will help you tap into the goal of that thousand dollars a year in CLTV for your brand avatar. And that's, you know, that's what's really going to build the back end of this business is a super, not just profitable front end, but a business that continues to grow against the addition, you know, additional products in your portfolio, which is where the, where the game plan falls out. So that's fantastic. So what's on the plate for you next? Obviously you mentioned you're kind of into all the products you've got now. Where do you see yourself going? What's next for you? You know, what, what's on your radar? I'm going to keep building this thing. I want it to be as big as I can get it over the next couple of years. So I've got three brands and, um, I'm launching several new products in each of those brands that is either in production or on a boat on the way here. So hopefully I'm going to have a really good summer of sales. And then I'll start looking towards end of the summer to reorder and hopefully launch another couple of new products. Excellent, man. So is there some sort of, what's your Everest? Is it a financial income? Are you on par for that? Is it a lifestyle thing? Is it just, you know, what is your Everest? What are you trying to climb? Yeah, I guess it's, I have a lot of different ways I can answer that depending on the day, but I would say the most common theme is I have small children now. So yeah, I mean, I want a little more time freedom, but I would say I have that to some degree compared to most people. And I uh, really want to teach my children about building businesses and financial literacy. Yeah. And I think a good way to do that is to show them and, yeah. and just providing value to the marketplace. It's not just, a, you know, if you focus on that, the money follows. Yeah. And so leadership, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. I guess it's, yeah. Well, and your kids will benefit, obviously they can serve some sort of toys and kids brand line. Who knows what? Build them up some revenue streams, give them an opportunity for alternative education and alternatives to Wealth Without Wall Street, as we say around here. And that's fantastic, man. That's a great life goal. And if that's your Everest, I'm going to help you climb it as fast as you can. But man, anything else you'd want to share with anybody before we close it down? You want me to share another challenge? Story? Yeah, please do. Share away. Share away. So I was texting you about this the other day. Yeah. My best selling product, I was getting some influencers to promote yeah. it because I got all this new inventory <laughs> right. coming. And I shared a coupon code with them to give them a discount on it. But when I created the coupon code in Amazon, there's a little box right there that you don't pay attention to. can get you in some trouble. So it says, share this coupon code with Amazon influencers. Right. And I didn't know what that meant. I'm like, well, yeah, that's who I'm sharing it with. I need to keep that right. check. Apparently Amazon went and sent it out to all these people. Well, I found out through all this that my product is on several blogs already as things that they're ranking for in this product category as things they're recommending to their readers. Right. And so apparently my coupon code got out to the masses and my inventory got rated <laughs> at a very steep discount. Oh, no. And uh, I turned it off yeah. and I even reached out to several people who were gracious enough to cancel their order. But it was interesting because even though I lost money this month on that, the product, I'm still up for the year with that product and I'm going to be up massively throughout the rest of the year because I'm not going to make that mistake again. But it was, it was so interesting to see how many people wanted my product. <laughs> well, and then we talked about this and it obviously turned out to be a positive um, because you didn't end up losing money. That's going to give you obviously a boost, but it's actually a tactic you know you can deploy now strategically as part of your launch process. Yeah. Yeah, because I know Amazon loved that. I mean, oh, yeah. No, they want to send it out. They still kept all their fees. Yeah. Well, and you got a ranking list on that, too. So as you come back, uh, you're going to be even stronger from that. So again, challenge, opportunity, you, it wasn't life-threatening. <laughs> it may have felt like a moment of frustration and anger and like stress and like, oh, my gosh, what the heck did I just do? 
But man, those are fail up moments and you know, you're not out of the game, but uh, that's actually really encouraging though to you can't, can't beat yourself up. No, man, you're going to make mistakes. That's the way it works. Life, you know, life is nothing but a series of mistakes that turn into opportunities, right? So that's a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thank you for joining me and thanks for sharing your story again. Absolutely. Thanks, new. If you like this episode, please share it with people you think will enjoy it as well. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode of High Voltage Business Builders. 